this evening if you'll open to the Gospel of John chapter 15, and actually most of the verses that you'll need tonight are in your notes. And I realized, I saw that uh, this afternoon, the size of the notes, I may have to enlarge them if for no other purpose, for my purposes. So maybe next week we'll make them in a larger size for you. But we're going to begin something tonight that's going to take us several weeks uh, as we go through here. And uh, I hope that uh, you will join me each week. It's so important that you not miss out on any of these weeks. Everything that we're going to be talking about, uh, it all comes together and is so very important and so very valuable. Uh, we have a couple of holidays in there. You've got Thanksgiving weekend. You've got the Christmas uh, break. There's some Sunday evenings we don't have services. That's my point. So it'll be into the early part, very early part, maybe the first Sunday or two of January before we're actually able to finish these lessons. But let me explain to you why uh, I want us to go through this series of lessons. I've taught this before. This is something I developed many years ago. Um, it's been used in other places, other, you know, other parts of our ministry. I'm bringing it back after not having used it for a good long while and going back through it. And here's the reason. Since... COVID of 2020, a lot of things have come back, and we're very thankful. Remember when our children's ministry was meeting outside under a tent, and the kids thought it was really cool, having a big time with it, and a lot of fun, but now we're back in. Our children are doing great. They're downstairs right now practicing for the Christmas program, uh, where they're going to be singing in the Christmas program uh, a little later uh, this year. And, but it's coming back, our youth ministry. Remember when they were meeting across the street and having a bonfire and had trucks pull up and they'd eat out there? And, you know, young people are coming back. They're coming back. Attendance. Attendance hasn't come back to where it was prior to COVID, but it's coming back and it's moving in a good direction. And we're beginning to see people come and we're praying for others to continue to come back, some that still haven't come back and haven't gone anywhere. We're praying for them to come back. We're praying for new people all the time, uh, that God will bring new people to us all the time. But the one thing that has not come back and the one thing that uh, I've talked with our staff on you know, several occasions, the one thing that has not come back are the number of people being saved and the number of people being baptized. We've had people saved, and we've had baptisms. We had a baptism of a little boy this morning. We had a man, by the way, at the end of the second service who came after the service. I said, I was standing here. I was standing here, shook my hand, and said, I prayed with you, and I asked Christ to be my Savior, and I wanted you to know. I wrote down his name. Yeah, isn't that great news? <clears throat> and I wrote down his name, and I said, can I follow up? And he said, yes, I'd love that. And so I'm planning to do that this week. Uh, but the number of people that we have seen in previous years coming to faith in Jesus and the number of people following through in believers' baptism, it hasn't come back as it should come back, as we want it to come back. The heartbeat of our church is reaching people, uh, reaching people with the gospel. We're not a social ministry. If you're looking for a social church, there's lots of other churches that will do that for you. We're a church that holds high the 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 cross of Christ, the resurrection of Jesus, and calls people to him to believe in him. Because we believe that's the only thing that will change their, their eternal destinies. It's the only thing that will bring transformation in their present lives. It will save marriages. It will save children's lives. It will do all kinds of things. The power of the gospel 
is the power that's so desperately needed. I think you'll agree that I'm preaching the gospel. Amen. I'm preaching the gospel. Man, I've got to say it a little bit faster, would you please? Um, you know, I'm preaching the gospel. Uh, part, part of what we're doing is, is uh, pastoral staff, you know, as we're holding each other accountable to have gospel conversations, making sure that all of our pastors are talking to people and we're having conversations with people on a regular basis, making sure that we tell them and talk to them about the, the love of Jesus Christ and we share the gospel. Uh, but my heart's desire, my longing is for us to see us return to the day when people walk the aisle to be saved and people... Um, or follow the Lord and believers baptism and I know some people say well that's not coming back it's not the way it, it you know it's going to be in the new era since COVID well maybe so maybe maybe we'll have to do it a little bit differently but I don't think baptism's ever going to go away and I don't believe the salvation of uh, people's souls should ever go away so my heart is that that uh, that we would see that again um I intended to bring a candle with me, and I walked out of my house without it, so forgive me. I wasn't going to light it because some of you have an, you know, allergies to smoke, and I wasn't going to light it. But if, you had, if I had a lit candle holding it here in front of you, all kinds of things in this room, from the air conditioning that's blowing to, to me talking over this candle to the movement of my hands to the things that you might be doing would cause that candle to flicker. It might cause it to almost go out. 2020 put it out. We stayed away from everybody. We didn't get close to anybody. We wore a mask. We hid from everybody. We had to do those things. That was medically necessary for us to keep one another as safe as we could, to keep as, as few people from dying from COVID or being, uh, you know, seriously sick from COVID. And as far as I know, I, I, only, I only believe we had one person that I know of that I can think of at this moment that passed from COVID. I think we, we did a good job in doing that. But in the process of moving away from each other and moving away from the community and, you know, isolating ourselves, you didn't go inside a restaurant, you drove through the outside, you, you know, you picked up your food, you took it home, and you stayed to yourself. But in the process, evangelism died in 2020 uh, because evangelism requires contact with people. Evangelism requires getting to know people and having communion, communication with people and talking to people and, and getting to know people and um, you know, moving into their lives and helping them at different points in their lives so that you can build a bridge over which to present the gospel. I thought it was interesting as I was preparing this week, uh, Tom Rayner, who I mentioned this morning, is a church... Um, uh, What's the, right, what's the right word? Not church growth, but uh, analyst. He's a church analyst. What's the ter term, Brother Tim? Ed, there, thank you. He's a church consultant. Uh, so he works with hundreds and thousands of churches. But he had, a, he had a podcast this week. I had not heard it till yesterday. And I happened to come across it. And he's talking about evangelism. And this is his opening comment. I listened to the whole thing. But, but this is his opening comment. comment. Evangelism is dead in approximately nine out of ten churches in America. The Great Commission has become the Great Omission. And then he goes on to talk about that with his son Sam. He goes on to talk about six or seven things that pastors can do uh, to help uh, cause their churches to be turned inside out and start looking out to people. 
but it's interesting, isn't it? Evangelism, he says, by his, his research, is dead in approximately nine out of ten churches in America. The Great Commission has become the Great Omission. As long as I'm your pastor, I don't want that to ever, ever happen here. And I've come to take the candle that's gotten blown out and got snuffed out in 2020. I've come to come with a lighter in this series of lessons called, called the grace approach and to, and to light the candle again, get it burning again, to get you into conversations with people, to get you talking to others about the gospel, to get you telling others what Jesus has done for you. And I'm going to take you through what for me is a very simple way to do that. I'm not one much for the hard sell. I'm not really good at the hard sell. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, you just, well, you're going to hell. You know you're going to hell? You, you know, you're going to split hell while, while I'm, not, I'm not good at the hard sell. Matter of fact, I don't think that's a good way to go about it anyway. It's not effective for me to show up at your door with a big family Bible with a pulpit and boom, boom. So I want to preach to you about Jesus tonight. Uh, it just doesn't go over very well. Uh, doesn't go over very well in our society, but it just, just I, don't, I don't like that kind of thing. When somebody's a stranger shows up on my doorstep, why are they here? What are they doing? What do they want? So there's got to be a way to share the gospel. I call it the grace approach. There's got to be a way to graciously and kindly and considerately share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're going to be talking about over the coming weeks on Sunday evening. Because my hope is that what we can do is reignite the flame on that candle, that light that this desperately dark world needs to see. And that you and I will start bringing others to faith in Jesus. You know, one of the great things in the book of Acts, there were 3,000 that were saved, and then a little later it was 5,000 men that it says. So you can multiply by the number of women and the children that were involved in that. These were people that were being baptized. Then the persecution comes because God never intended for them to all stay in Jerusalem. They were supposed to go back to their homes and take the gospel, but they didn't want to go. They wanted to stay there. I mean, everybody wants to stay close to the fire, right? Everybody wants to be close to the fire. Stay warm by the fire. But that wasn't God's intention. God's intention was to take some of that fire, take it back and start the fire wherever they lived and share the gospel where they are, wherever they were. And the persecution came and people scattered everywhere. And the gospel spread everywhere. Can you imagine tonight, I don't know how many we have here tonight, but if we got you know, 250 people here tonight, can you imagine if every one of us scattered from this place over the coming weeks and into the new year, talking about Jesus to everybody, do, do you realize that, um, that we could turn this city upside down? We, we could turn the city upside down. But th that's going to take us getting back involved in evangelism. That's going to get us looking at people again and recognizing they have an eternal soul that's going to spend eternity. Do you still believe in hell? If you don't, you don't believe the Bible. Uh, there is an eternal hell. Uh, there is the lake of fire. That's the final place of the, of the dead that are unsaved, the lake of fire. They stand before God at the great white throne judgment. The books are open. They're judged according to their works, and they're cast into the lake of fire. And they don't get annihilated. They pay the penalty of their sins forever. 
It's a horrible, horrible thought. But it's a reality because a just God and a righteous God cannot just overlook sin and pass it by. He must absolutely deal with mankind's sin. And he dealt with it in his son, but if you reject his son, then you pay the penalty for yourself. And that's the lake of fire forever and forever and forever and forever. That's your son. That's your daughter. That's your mama. That's your daddy. That's your brother. That's your sister. That's your neighbor that y'all eat with and you have cookouts with. That's those people you go on vacation with. And you hang out at the beach or you hang out in the mountains or you hang out at a cabin or you hang out at a lake. And you talk about every imaginable thing there is to talk about. Those people have eternal souls. And they're going to spend eternity somewhere. And it matters to God. But he left the task of taking the good news to us to take it to them. That's called evangelism. We go out and we share the love of Jesus Christ with others. We tell others what Christ has done to change our lives, to transform our lives. Um, we, we've got we've to light that flame again. And um, we've got to get busy talking to others about their eternal soul. It says here in John chapter 15, verse 16, he says, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should. And notice the words I underline through here. Go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it you. Now, if you've read John chapter 15, you know that's the great passage about the vine and the branches Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. We need his life flowing in us and through us. It's that passage where he talks about there's fruit and there's more fruit. And, you know, there's this fruit that's being developed. When you talk about spiritual fruit, you, you can look through the Bible and you can find that sometimes praise to God is referred to as fruit. Character, Christian character is referred to as fruit. You'll find that giving is referred to as spiritual fruit, but where we're going to focus our attention is the fruit of winning others because that is the spiritual fruit that we're talking about in the grace approach. The goal of our outreach, I want you to understand, our outreach, the goal of our outreach is making disciples of Christ. Please understand, we, we want to live in love like Jesus so that we can make disciples of Jesus. Isn't that what we've been commanded to do? Isn't that what God's called us to do? God didn't call us to be a social organization. If I've got to be the, head of a, if I got to be the leader of a social organization, we're, we're in really big trouble. God, God called us to be a hospital for sinners. He called us to be a lighthouse in the midst of the darkness. He called us to be a, sa a salvation station. He called us to be a people that care about the souls and the eternal destinies of other people. And our, our outreach is about making disciples. We're not just going. He says you've got to go and bear fruit. We're, we're not just going. We're not just bearing fruit. But we're bearing fruit that remains. And put it all in capital letters, remains. We're going and we're bearing fruit, the fruit of others, and we're bearing the fruit of others that remain. 
that go on following Jesus, that don't stop following Jesus, that keep on following Jesus, that have a passion for Jesus. I'm sort of concerned about the state of modern American Christianity. It's very passive. It's, uh, it, it lacks a, a depth of heart. Um, it's very self-centered. You know, what are you going to do for me, God, rather than I'm here to do for you, God, whatever you want me to do? You see the difference in the perspective? You know, you're going to give me my best life now. It's not, Lord, I'm going to give my best life to you. I'm very concerned about modern American Christianity. I'm very concerned about the generations coming behind me. By the way, there's, there's a lot of places where it's, it's really good. In our church, in our youth ministry, it's really good. Matt's doing an incredible job in teaching our, our young people about these things. But I'm concerned about the church in general, the, gen, the generation that's coming behind us, that we want a softer, simpler, kinder, gentler kind of a Christianity that doesn't call on us for anything, doesn't ask us anything, doesn't require of us anything. We can show up when we want to show up. We don't have to show up if we don't want to show up. There is no commitment to discipleship. We're not looking to just make converts. We're looking to make disciples. And the first step of that is you've got to be a convert. But we're looking to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19, and 20 says, Go therefore, make disciples. Do you see it? Make disciples. Circle it. Make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Make disciples. I gotta lead people to Jesus. I gotta walk with them while they're growing in the Lord until they can feed themselves and they can mature in their faith and they can stand on their own and reproduce themselves. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations. We've been talking about it in missions, here and abroad, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them, teaching them to observe all things, all things, not some things. You don't get to pick and choose. All things that I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. That's our task. The goal of our outreach is making disciples of Christ. We want to win them to Jesus. We want to get them grounded and get them growing. We want to bring them to a place where they can stand on their own two feet, feet uh, spiritually speaking, and they can begin reproducing other disciples. They can begin the process and keep the process going. Are, are, are you here? Are you with me? That's, that's what we're doing. That's the goal of our outreach. Number two, there is a procedure to follow in making disciples. There is a procedure to follow in making disciples. First, we must go. This is the duty. Put it in all capital letters. This is the duty of every Christian. Every Christian. It's the duty of every Christian. You say, Pastor, we've got five pastors on staff. That's y'all's duty. No, 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 no. That is our duty and your duty. And our responsibility is to equip you with the tools that you need to be able to carry out that responsibility because there are people you can reach that we can't reach. The Great Commission requires... It requires going. You don't have the option of sitting. 
You don't have the option of watching. You don't have the option of saying, we'll let somebody else do it. We'll pay somebody else to do it. The Great Commission requires going. Listen, Matthew 16, 15, and he said to them, go, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. John 17, 18, as you sent me into the world, he's speaking to his disciples and through them to us, I also have sent them into the world. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore. Matthew 13, 3 in the parable about the sower and the seed. Then he spoke many things to them in parables saying, behold, a sower went out to sow. Let me ask you a question. Uh, does a farmer keep his seed in the barn? Does he do that? No, you know what the farmer does? He takes his seed out of the barn. He carries it out into the field that's been prepared, and he begins sowing the seed. You got to go. You got to go. Matthew 22, 9, that parable about the ones who were invited to the supper, and they didn't come. They had excuses why they didn't want to come. And he says, go out and compel them to come in. Go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite to the wedding. You got to go. We can't sit. We come and sit, and we worship, and we learn. We're taught. We're challenged, we're convicted, we're called, uh, we worship. Did I say worship? We do a lot of things when we come. But the real work starts when we go. We, we walk out of those doors, we walk off those parking lots. What you say to the waitress at the restaurant matters. How you treat the waitress or waiter at the restaurant, or should, or do they call them waitresses and waiters anymore? It matters, it matters. How you treat the steward on the airplane, it matters. How you treat your business partners, it matters. How you do your job at, at the plant, it matters. You're supposed to be, if you're a teacher, if you're in the corporate world, if you're in whatever world it is, you're supposed to be on mission with God right where you are. Those people in your little segment of your world, your network, th those are the people God has put you there to reach. The Great Commission requires going. This is a matter of obedience to God. It's a matter of obedience to God. I mean, this is a command. This is not a choice. Well, I, I don't think I want to share the gospel with him or her. God's not asking us if we want to do it. He's telling us to do it. He's calling us to do it. Going is not just about special days and specific times. Well, pastor, if you'll plan something for us, we'll go. That's, that's not what this is about. It's not just about special days and specific times. By, by the way, we do those kinds of things, don't we? We have special Sundays. We, we're planning for next year, putting an entire year calendar together. I say we, I'm, I, the, the, the team is doing it. I'm just watching from the sidelines. I get to review it at the end. Put my stamp of approval on it. And we're lining out what's going to happen in 2023. And we're going to have special days and special events that are opportunities for you to invite people at Christmas. You'll likely, I think, probably have a, a ticket. It doesn't cost anything to come hear the music program. But you know what? It, it makes it easier when you hand somebody a ticket. Say, would you like to come? It won't cost you anything. I, I, that my church gave it to me. I'd like to give it to you. Will you come sit with me and listen to the Christmas music? Will you come with me and have the opportunity for me to present the gospel on your behalf so that you can continue the conversation when you walk away? It's a matter of obedience. It's not about special days or specific times. Going is a lifestyle 
of caring and compassion. Going is a lifestyle of caring and compassion. This is not hard. You just got to look around you and see the people that are in your life and decide that I'm not going to live for myself any longer, but I'm going to love the people that are around me like Jesus loves people. I'm going to get out of my little silo. I'm going to get out of my silo and out of my safe spot, and and I'm going to live every day with with a sense of, of caring and compassion for others. A few years ago, I wrote a little pamphlet, a little booklet about the Great Commission. It wasn't anything. I didn't break any new ground. I didn't say anything nobody else had ever said. I just said it in my own words, and I said it in my own way. And I quote to you a section from it. The first step in the process of making disciples is that we must go. Actually, this could read, that is, go into all the world. This could read, as you are going, such, as, uh, such that the first step of the process of obeying the Great Commission is to incorporate disciple-making into every aspect of our daily lives. In other words... As we are going about our daily business, as we are going to school, as we are going to work, as we are going to the doctor, as we're uh, buying groceries, as we're getting gas, as we're going to visit relatives, as we're going on vacation, as we're going to the ball game, as we're going out to eat, as we're going wherever we are going, we're always going into our mission field. It's a lifestyle. It's just, you know, everywhere I'm going, this is, I'm here, I'm, I'm here. God put me supernaturally, God put me providentially here in these people's lives at this moment, and I need to look for an open door to be able to show them love and compassion so that I can share the gospel of Jesus with them at some point. Right? Going, number five here, going is rebuilding and developing relationships with people you can bring to Christ. Going is rebuilding. That means repairing and fixing things that are broken down and developing relationships with people you can bring to Christ. I just finished reading through the Gospel of Luke. And it's amazing how many times... It's not the religious leaders that want to be around Jesus. It's all the broken people, all the sinful people that want to be around Jesus. By the way, Jesus wanted to be with them, not to affirm them in their sin, not to approve of the things that they're doing. Jesus knew they were the ones who were sick. And to whom do you send the doctors? You send the doctors to the ones that are sick. And Jesus went to them and had compassion on them, and he saw the brokenness of their lives, and he developed relationships with people that when the Pharisees looked at them, they said, well, on the occasion I had just read about recently, if Jesus knew who that woman was, he wouldn't have let her touch him. That's how we live our lives, isn't it? Stay away from me. Now look, we're not supposed to become of the world or like the world, but we've got to live in the world. And we've got to have relationships with people who need to know the Lord that live in this world. 
And we can't isolate ourselves to just believers who are living in this room. If you're a young believer, you're a new believer, and you're easily tempted or you're easily drawn away or easy, easily led astray, you need to hang out with us a little longer and build your strength and grow a little deeper, get your roots a little further down. But the reality is most of us are at a place in life where we know what's right and what's wrong. We understand what's right and what's wrong. We're not going to get led into it by being a friend to somebody who's doing something that we know we would never do because as believers, it wouldn't be wise for us to do. It wouldn't be right for us to do. Got to have relationships. We have three new neighbors in our neighborhood. And uh, we've bought uh, gift cards and we're putting them in a handwritten card and we're taking them gift cards just so we can get them out of their house and say, I can say, my name's David. This is my wife, Mary. We live next door to you. Tell your dog to shut up. No, 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 no. There are no dogs causing any problems. No dogs causing any problems. We, we, want, we want you to come. Mary went over to the neighbor. Uh, went over to the, this particular neighbor that has children, young children, and handed them a flyer to our, uh, our trunk or treat. Did you hand anybody a flower? A fl- flower. Did you hand, her, hand, 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 hand anybody a flyer for trunk or treat? By the way, next year at trunk or treat, we're going to add something. We're going to add booths where people can come and hear the gospel presentation in a visual form. And if they sit and listen, we're going to give them a big candy bar. Not just the little tiny pieces of candy. We're going to give them a great old big candy. You know the kind of candy bar that every preacher loves? <laughs> Hershey's huge candy bars. My birthday's coming. <laughs> I don't need it, by the way. I don't need it. You've got to develop relationships. Now, Mary and I have missed a lot of opportunities. We've missed, I've, I, have, I don't want to put that on Mary. I have missed a lot of opportunities. I'm more, I'm more withdrawn. I'm, I'm more to myself. You know, I, uh, I like being in a corner with a book by myself. And so coming out of that corner, it's harder work for me than Mary. Mary can go anywhere, meet anybody, and their friends in five minutes. I'm not sure I ever want to be your friend, you know. <laughs> I, I, want, I want your bank statement. I want something from the IRS. I want to check the, the you know, the, the, the law records. I'm going to see if you've been convicted somewhere. You know, that's just the way I think. But you have to work your way out of it. You have to get to, to be friends. I think most of you would agree most of the time I'm relatively friendly. Going is rebuilding and developing relationships with people you can bring to Christ. Going, number six, is always, it is always with the express desire of communicating the gospel in your life and with your lips. Well, Pastor, what I'm going to do is I'm going I'm to live it out. Okay, I, I'm, with, I'm with you. I'm for you. Yes, amen. Go for it. Let's do it. That's fantastic. <laughs> You don't, you don't want to tell them something about the gospel in your life, be like the devil. So, yeah, I'm all about you living out the gospel, but it's not enough to just live out the gospel. You've got to use your lips and you've got to speak the gospel. Faith comes by 
hearing in hearing by the word of God. You may understand. Look at Psalm 126, verse 6. He who continually goes forth weeping. You got to go. You got to go. He that goes forth weeping. That's compassion. That's concern. That's caring. Bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Why haven't we seen as many people say? Why haven't we been seeing as many baptisms? Because there's fewer of us that are going and sowing. There's fewer of us that are going and sowing. We're, you know, 2020 pulled us back into a cocoon. And we wrapped ourselves in the cocoon and we stayed safe in the cocoon. And, you know, we get out every once in a while, but then we run right back to it. You ever do this? You drive into your, you got neighbors that are out in, in, the, in, the, in the neighborhood where you are. We have neighbors across the street and next to us and behind us. We have one on our back door. <laughs> and you pull in, there's neighbors out, especially during the summer and spring and early fall. You pull, you pull in your garage before you open your door, you hit that button. And, <laughs> do, do you know that um, there's a lot of change came to evangelism when air conditioning came to our houses? I remember growing up, we didn't have an air conditioner. Uh, we had, I remember when my daddy put in an attic fan. He had screens on the windows, and it sucked the air in. And that was the way it, <laughs> sucking in hot air is the way you cool off a hot house. But you remember, they, they didn't have air conditioning. They didn't have all these fancy fans and air conditioning units, and they built porches out on the house. You raise the windows because you got to get the heat out of that house somehow. You had maybe you had a ceiling fan, and possibly you had a ceiling fan. Get the heat out of the house, but you sat out on the front porch. And you know what people did sitting out on the front porch? How you doing, George? Have a good day at work. I'm sorry to hear about that. Is she going to cook supper tomorrow night? Now we get into our houses, into our soft couches and our soft chairs and into our air conditioning. We turn on our television sets. We turn on our television sets and we veg out. That's what they call it. I think that, do they still call that? Is that what young people still call it? They veg out. You know, you got Monday night football. You got Sunday afternoon football. You got Sunday night football. You got Monday night football. You had the World Series until the Houston won the sixth game. You got, uh, got Wednesday night life groups. You got Thursday night football. You got Friday night with the kids at the, at the you know, uh, football at uh, high schools. You got Saturday is college football. Did I mention this morning that Georgia beat Tennessee? <laughs> and then you're back to Sunday. You're back to Sunday. And you're watching football all day. And we sit there in front. Or maybe that's not you. We, we veg out. We go out, to our, we go out to our outbuilding. And we live out there in our outbuilding. I don't mean the outhouse. <laughs> I'm talking about where your woodworking tools are and where, wherever you keep your gardening things and, you know, wherever you got the stuff that you work in your yard. And you hang out out there. Just leave me alone. Hey, that's, there's, there's a place for that. We all need quiet. We all need we all need those moments of silence. But the fact of the matter is, if we don't get to know some people and get to talking to people, we don't get to win people to Jesus. 
You may understand how to evangelize. You may believe it is right to evangelize. You may recognize the power to evangelize. That's the Holy Spirit. He is the power to evangelize. But until you go, there is capital letters. Until you go, there is no evangelism. Because the fact of the matter is, most people are not going to turn on the television and watch me at 9.30 on the CW network. Unless they're already believers. What do do unbelievers do when they come to the preacher's program, to a preacher's program? Not all all preachers. Some preachers are national preachers and they're international preachers and just their name attracts people. But, you know, what what happens? They, They flip right on by it. They go right on past it. If we don't go, there is no evangelism. Going means you live your life as a mission from God. Every day I'm on mission with God. Who am I going to talk to about the gospel today? Who can I show the love of Jesus? Who can I share the the compassion of Christ with today? Who who could I bake that pie for? Who could I take that cake to? Who could I fix those cookies for? Who, Who could I show up and just listen to them and pray for them? Going means you live your life as a mission from God. Every, every relationship is a bridge to share the gospel. Every relationship. And every opportunity is seized or to be seized to share God's love. Now, look, you don't walk into somebody's life, and most likely, you don't walk into somebody's life, and the first thing you do is give them the gospel. You might. There there are circumstances where that works, and there's times when that's appropriate. But more than likely, you're going to have to build a bridge between you and that person and make, make a friendship, have some friendship with that individual so that, as I'm going to show you in the coming lessons, that bridge, you can cross over it with a message that they desperately need to hear. And there are open doors. There are open doors everywhere. There are open doors everywhere. We just don't see them. I'm going to show you some of them. But they're everywhere. Because every opportunity needs to be seized to share the gospel. And every relationship is a bridge to share the gospel. Now I'm going to stop there. And we'll finish this and continue in this next week. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home and I want you to pray with me. Lord, make me a witness.